Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, or good evening, or whatever it is, wherever you are. Good morning, everybody. I am assaulting. I'm Spice. And I'm looking around, and I'm seeing something. It's spring, and the grass is becoming green, and the cows and the horses were driving through the country. The cows and the horses have their heads firmly clamped to the ground this time of year. <laughs> they're finally getting the fresh food. There's a the driving, they're right there. Their cows are we're just driving past a, some calves actually. And uh, this year's calves look like steers, so they're going to have a short career in this world. Beef is not a career. Beef is not. Yeah, being a steer is not a career. And then there's sheep. We have sheep around. We have goats. Well, here's the thing. A lot of uh, preppers use a derogatory term called sheeple. And we all we all heard it. It's, you know, referring to people who, um, in, a, in a bad way, people who are not preppers, people who just believe everything and think everything's always going to be okay. And uh, even though most of the world may be considered by rather uh, jaded preppers, sheeple, there is one true fact. Sheep can live just fine on grass, eating grass, just like all these other animals. Hmm? We can't. We can't eat grass and survive on it. It's That's a truth in life. And I think... My uh, biological expert wife will agree with me. Humans just Here, can't survive on grass. Here she was restraining herself from launching into the biological explanation of why. But it's true. We can't. We now, can see it's okay, what, but not believes. This is one of our mystery episodes. She does not know what the topic is. I'm just going to spring it on her and have her go because this is in her wheelhouse. <laughs> okay. So. If we have a house, and if all that we have in this in our yard is grass, which we can't eat, it's not our yard is not going to help us. Oh, very weird. Yeah. I think that was, yeah, we just passed a rat. I'm sorry. Aside, we just passed a raccoon that looks like it's damaged and a vulture is waiting to. Ooh, that's a nasty scene back there. Nature. <laughs> red, red and tooth and claw this morning. Red and tooth and claw this morning. That raccoon, the damaged raccoon is fighting off the buzzard. Yeah, For boy. a while. Mm-hmm. For a while. For a while. Unless a car comes and hits the buzzard, which could happen. Or the raccoon. Or both. Almost makes me think about stopping and going back and... No. 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 Let it no. play. We're not discharging firearms on roadways, and that's about all we could do about it. Yeah. I got a story about that, but this is gonna, that would get us off track, so... Remind me to tell that story sometime. Okay. Anywho... Yeah, do not shoot... A, bottom line, don't shoot guns on the, on the highway. Just don't do it. <laughs> it never ends well. Um... We can't eat our yard. Or can we? We can eat our yard. <laughs> we can eat our yard. Or much of our yard. And the stuff we can't eat is 
the stuff that is slowly getting covered by the stuff we can. <laughs> so it's a replacement project meant to keep the whole thing looking reasonably good in the meantime. We're gonna keeping shade and things like we're that. We're gonna talk about and we've talked about this many times, but this is part of what we do. We're all about urban homesteading. In we understand you have limitations in some cases. You have HSAs that you've got that are you know, compelling you to follow their rules, but we can you can work around this. And what brought this to mind today was she was talking about some some invasive plants that Bradford are planted pears. for yeah for that are planted from for ornamentals, whereas we have a beautiful little pear tree. It's just getting ready to flower, and it's going to look gorgeous. It did last year. And yet, we're going to get pears off of it. We're going to eat those pears. <laughs> Edible pears. pears. So, why don't you talk a little bit about the difference between using edible plants as ornamentals versus ornamentals like uh, the one you were talking about today, and that's, you know, worse than just ornamental, it's invasive as well. It tells everybody what invasive means. Invasive means it's a plant that's not native to the area, so it's not controlled by the predators in the area. And when it gets established in the wild, it tends to take over large tracts of native vegetation. It's not as useful to the wildlife. It's not useful to people. It's only useful to itself in making more Bradford pears. The Bradford pear is what she's talking about. There are some invasive plants that are useful, like our old enemy autumn olive. It's edible. You, you, if you have a ton of autumn olive, it's a very useful plant. You know, some people planted it because they can use the fruit of the plant. Frankly, though, you got to be fairly hard up to eat a lot of autumn olive because it takes a lot of work to get the food out of it. True. And it spreads way faster than that. I'm not saying go out and plant autumn olive. Please don't. don't. Please don't. Please don't. There are much better choices. But I am saying at least you can eat it. Like these, these pears she's talking about, they don't grow pears. Yeah, they, they technically make pears, but they don't have an edible fruit to people. And they're not even particularly attractive to wildlife, so they don't help sustain your deer population, for example. Their only advantage, and the trees we're talking about, if you live anywhere in the Midwest, you've seen them, a lot of people have them in their yards, are the ones that come out early spring with the beautiful white flowers. And they're a gorgeous tree. They're, we're driving past one right now. It's a lovely tree. It's a gorgeous tree. But and they provide good shade. There are reasons people plant them. They provide good shade. They're really pretty in the spring. They are hardy and take very little maintenance. You know, there yeah, are reasons they're, people they're plant They're very, them. they're very uh, uh, drought resistant. Yeah. Obviously, they die if they weren't because we've had some serious droughts that they've lived through. So, I don't know if they advertise them as drought resistant, but I, I mean, they are. They are. Yep. Um, There's another one. They're like a weed. <laughs> they're literally like a weed. Think of That's, think of invasive, yeah. uh, even though some weeds are not invasive. Some all. weeds aren't, but many are. But many are. So yeah. go right ahead. The main trade-off you make is that the ones that are usually sold as ornamentals are like the Bradford pear. They're pretty. They have some good attributes. They're low care. But they provide no food. And they don't provide anything else of particular use either. 
Uh, the trade-off would be something like a uh, fruiting pear tree. It can be certainly be just as pretty, and it does take a, more care. You got to uh, prune them a little bit if you want them to look nice, and once or twice in the fall you got to toss some falls into your compost bin. So that's the downside. That's the trade-off you're making. The benefit you get from it is it produces a whole bunch of food for free after you've got it planted. And you'll be surprised how how few years it takes for it to start bearing. We've got this one little apple tree that's it's actually a replacement for one that died. So it's only, what, three years old this year? This is third season? Uh, we bought it a year old, so it's it's not, yeah, they're right about three years That's old right thinking, now. It'll be about three years old. And it's just going to go nuts this year. Yeah, it's got blossom buds all over it. They haven't quite sprouted yet. No. Last year I got more more than a dozen apples at the end of the season from it, from a two-year-old tree. Now, with our trees that we plant, we don't even pretend. We're not trying to hide ornamentals in our yard we don't care and so what we're doing is planting the best trees for fruit production and hardiness and overall good goodness for us so we're planting dwarf trees dwarfs and semi-dwarfs our our goals are to get really good tasting apples our goals get really good tasting pears our goals are to make sure that when we have trees that require cross-pollinization, that we have the right combinations. So we just put in a third apple tree because it's a great pollinator for the others. Mm -hmm. But there's plenty of things you can do to make it a more HOA-suitable yard and still be edible. I've seen a lot of, and I enjoy going to places like like one place that I really, if you're in Iowa, okay, and you're in Des Moines area, go up to Ames. Go to Iowa State University. They have their garden. And they have several sections of their garden that are just absolutely gorgeous and everything in them is edible. They're edible plants. And the Iowa State Garden, flat out, if you're, if you're a, a person who just loves beautiful things, you love plants, you love gardens, it's a full-blown, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ar- Arba- the- Arboretum? Arboreum. Arboreum. It's a full-blown arboreum. They have an indoors exhibit, so even if you go in the winter, you can see it. But the outdoor exhibit is, is, Great, and they got a really big garden because it's a big garden, so they need a big gnome, <laughs> and they've got a really, really big garden gnome at Iowa State University. Enormous garden gnome. Yeah, so there's that, and they have actually have artwork in the garden. It's it's gorgeous. Have you ever been to a a big city um, botanical garden before? Iowa State rivals most of them that I've seen, not all, but most, and so I highly recommend it and they have several of course iowa state is an agricultural university it's you know their primary area of study and they have one of the really biggest agricultural programs around so 
it's a good place to go to see how to use edibles in an ornamental way. And there's books about this, too. And, and you know, if you don't live anywhere near Iowa, they have a webpage. Woo! Yeah. yeah. That's how we found them in the first place. We were just looking the, for something to do when we were on a wander. If we have an accompanying story for this, I'm going to have to dig up. We have a picture of the big garden. No. I'll, yeah. try, and, I'll try and dig that up. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll give you some ideas of species. But there are things like one of the problems some people have with fruit trees is the fruit drop. And the fruit drop can attract bees and be unsightly and stuff like that. I hear attract bees, and I'm like, yay. You want a lot of bees around. Bees are pollinators. We're, we're good for the bees. Are the, bees are, the bees are good for us. Bees are in Yes. It. Now, if I had a kid who was a bee allergic, I wouldn't be as excited about attracting a bunch of bees to the yard. That's Ooh. true. Uh, so some species drop a lot more fruit than others. Things like apples. Very little fruit drop with the apples in my so far, limited experience, but we've had very little fruit drop with them. Uh, cherries have more, pears have more. Yeah, we're going to have to do something on our peach tree this year. We're just going to have to net it, I think, to keep the damn squirrels. Yeah, we didn't have fruit drop. We <laughs> Sorry, had keep fruit the darn theft. Squirrels. Yeah, that's a problem. Squirrels are a problem. I've got the air gun out, and I, I may have to. I'm going to, yeah, squirrels are, they're cute, but they're. They're rats. <laughs> They're just rats. Squirrels and bunnies. Bunnies you can handle. Bunnies are not that big of a deal. Bunnies fence easier than squirrels. Unfortunately, bunny fencing takes a lot of work. She just did our bunny fencing. Which reminds me, and this is a true story. If you want to save your family's life, buy a couple rolls of chicken wire and set them in your stores. Why? Because if you have to garden, if you have to garden, you can't, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to survive bunny coming in and eating your garden one night. That can kill your family. And I'm not exaggerating. Bunnies can destroy your garden in a night. You must keep bunny out. But if you want it to be a pretty yard, it you. A lot of the decorative fences don't keep out uh, rabbits very effectively. However, you put a little wire fence in, and you put the decorative fence closer to the outside of the bed, just outside it, and that does it nicely. Right. Now, I was talking about just for anybody who keep a seed bank, you need to keep chicken wire to go with it. Yeah. Uh, if you're a normal gardener, yeah, you're just going to have to cap bunny defense. I, I have little confidence in the seed banks with no prior preparation of the ground. Yeah, we have skill, podcasts and, and yeah. stories on that before. So, so I'm not going to go down that road. But if you want to keep the critters out and still have it look nice, that's a, a nice trick to use, is to have your decorative fencing, but just have a little uh, chicken wire liner on the inside of it that extends a little bit below it. Often you have the uh, little under fencing curve out a little bit, so if the bunnies try and dig under, they find the fence, and they're not clever enough to back up a foot and try again. So, And you can get, like, black chicken wire, painted black, and it you put it behind a white decorative thing, and you'll never notice it's there. Yeah, even the normal chicken wire behind a white decorative picket, you don't see. Or the woven uh, vine fences that got popular a year or two ago. There's a lot of those around town now. 
those look really good, and they're easy, very easy to put an unobtrusive uh, bunny block behind. Uh, the berry bushes we have, the berry bushes do not have a lot of problem with fruit, fruit drop. They don't make a big mess. If you keep them, you do have to keep them corralled, you keep them pruned. But if you do that, you can make a nice, pretty little hedge with them. They got, they're got they full of white flowers in the right season, and then they're full of fruit. And they'll attract some birds, but I've never found those birds to be a problem. They don't run around pooping on the neighbor's cars and causing stains and things like that. As, um, I think mulberries are bad for that. but Blackberries and blueberries. They're actually not as bad for that. It, it's in my experience. From what I've seen around, I've, I've been, I have a whole fence line that's various kinds of berry bushes and grapes. It used to be just an old cruddy falling down fence between me and our neighbor. And I hid it by putting berries over it and letting the berries climb the old nasty fence. And it's much more impenetrable now than it would have been just an old fence. Yeah. Now. It was a heck of a lot less work than replacing the fence. And asparagus. <laughs> Put asparagus in too. She had her first asparagus last night. Yeah, I love asparagus, and it's a, it's a perennial crop. So I made a bed last year, planted it, didn't get a thing out of it, of course, because you have to let it establish a year. But I had my first asparagus meal last night, and it was pretty awesome. Yeah, she was. I'm not an asparagus fan. So all for her. Yeah. She's good with that. So the berry bushes are good. There's these things in, in our area called June berries. One of my horticultural friends... Actually, my sister hooked me up with her because I'm not a master gardener, and she is. And uh, my sister is friends with both of us, hook you both up. You can learn. It'll be great. It's been great. Because this uh, horticulturist is a cool person. And she grows a enormous decorative garden. And she was showing off some pictures of her lovely June berries. And I'm like, Oh, wow, you got June berries. How are the berries from those? Mine are just starting to get big enough to start producing. Because I had, I didn't figure out for the first couple of years that I had to keep the rabbits off those, too. And she's like, oh, yeah, the berries are edible. I, I tried some last year when there were a bunch on them, and they were good. But it was completely an afterthought with her. She was putting them in because they were beautiful. And they didn't make a mess, and they fit nicely in her garden. And that's why she put them in and loved them. I put them in because June berries. There's not a whole lot of thing that's bearing already in June. And I thought it would be a nice... I, I try and time the garden so we have food from early spring all the way till last frost or sometimes a little bit beyond. There's grazing from the yard available. We also do things like when the old uh, shade tree... I forget what species it was, maybe an elm or something. I think it was common, an elm. Yeah, I think common it was. sort of big old shade tree we had in the yard died of old age uh, about five years ago. When I replaced it, I replaced it with a butternut, which will also be a similar large, stately, beautiful shade tree of a sort that fits well in this area. But it also makes, well, butternuts. Which I'm, I have never had a butternut tree before, but I have recommendations from people who know that they're really nice eating. So you can replace the big shade trees with big shade trees that drop nuts. There you go. Yeah. Pecan trees are big. 
Yeah. I've got some pecan trees planted, but they are slow growers. I've got an almond tree planted, but it's a fairly slow grower. The plan is I'm planting these little ones, so I've got some more really big old shade trees in the back of the yard. They're getting some age on them. They're going to yeah, die over the gonna, years. So I'm developing more, so I always have this nice, beautiful shade, but the next generation of nice, beautiful shade is nut-bearing. That's right. Now, that's some of the things that you can do in your in your yard. But what happens if you live in a full-on Stalinist type HSA that will just not allow you to do anything? What happens if you live in an apartment? How are you going to do this? Well, there's I got an option for you. And it won't really help you if... Tiatwaki, the end of the world as we know it hits. It won't really help you then. But in a normal, quote-unquote normal, or more common disaster, or even more importantly at this point in time, to gain the skills you will need to farm in an emergency. You need to be doing it now. That option is often available in community gardens. Now, we've seen community gardens in ver- in all kinds of ways, shapes, and forms. There are cities and towns that have their own community gardens. There are privately... Sorry, I'm, I'm passing a tractor there. I'm, you're hearing rumble strip noise. Um, there are private community gardens... There are people who just open up their yard for community gardening. There are all kinds of options. A lot of times um, universities have them. Ours has one. Yes. And basically you can either rent or buy or borrow space in that garden to grow your plants and learn how to garden. The really good thing about this is there are some very good community gardeners, people who do this garden and their home garden, people who are knowledgeable, who know the tricks of of gardening, and they're right there working next to you. You can ask them for help. You can get, you can question them. You can actually help them put their stuff in and doing that learn. They love to talk about that stuff too. It's a nice social thing. I've never uh, used a community garden because we've always had our own. But uh, I certainly like the idea, and I know you would learn a lot from them. I don't really have the money to do it, but I would love to buy a lot in the town we live in and put together a community garden. I'd love to do it. It's a little difficult, not because the lots are expensive. We live in a little town. In the middle of nowhere. The lots are dirt cheap. The problem is the dirt itself. Yeah. Most of these lots are from where, by golly, that is going to be a Dollar General store. (laughs) We're driving past the Dollar General store to be again. Dollar General is putting in stores in some really unusual places. Okay, pressing right along. You can, these community gardens are... 
they're a great, amazing resource. Our town, it's dirt cheap. The town, the, the uh, actual lots. The problem is they used to have houses on them. And some of those houses were old, 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 old houses, and they had a lot of paint on them. So now you get into the, okay, what is actually in this ground? Is there any toxic poisoning in this ground? I don't know. Yeah, you can grow plants on lead paint tainted soil, but you got to be a little careful about what you plant because a lot of the lead is concentrated in the leaves. So the things that you just eat fruits from, like tomatoes, are often fine. But I wouldn't want to be eating spinach or lettuce out of lead-tainted ground. Right. And we used to have lead on our house. And when I decide what to put where in my garden, I make sure that the greens are nowhere near the spots where I'm, I've am i got old lead. The front right, of the cause... house, I was going to put in an herb garden. And I'm like, nope, don't want to eat a lot of leaves from right there. I'll just make this front one ornamental. And by ornamental... What we do, we don't just mean ornamental. We put in actually native flowers and Be stuff. Attractors. They're not nearly as as pretty as you know the fancy ornamental stuff. They are at some parts of the year. And so yeah, but mostly not because they're big, they're tall, they're, they're kind of weedy looking a lot. But they are a bee attractor like crazy. So that's what we go for: pollinator attraction. Yeah, a lot of garden plants need those pollinators for one thing. And for another, I'm just a friend of bees. Let's face Including it. Including those big apple tree or those apple trees we have in the front yard. Oh yeah, we have apple trees in our front yard. Our house is just now surrounded by fruit trees. Yes, which is cool. So, but community gardens are a great option if you have. Now, let's say that's not an option for you. Okay. Well, if you work in an office, if you work at a at a uh, business of any kind with multiple employees, there's always somebody in August or July starting to bring in these log-sized zucchini. zucchini. Lincoln Log Zucchini for free! Zucchini, zucchini, zucchini. That, that may not be a thing everywhere in the world, but it's, it's a thing, thing in, in the, the Midwest. <laughs> at least okay. out in our part of the world. What that means is that person is a gardener. Now, here's what you can do. If you want to get your in in gardening, you remember who it was. You go and talk to them right now. Just go and, and talk to them and say, hey, I want to learn how to garden. Can I come over and help you garden? And the answer, unless they don't like you, will always be absolutely. If you want to come in and do some of this work for me, yes. <laughs> There's a, yeah, I'm doing, a, got a lot of jobs this time of year, including riding my bicycle out in the beautiful. And so, mowing the grass and yada, 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 yeah. yada, yada. There's the, a lot less grass to mow. Yeah, there's a lot less grass to mow. Uh, in fact, we actually used to have a, a service coming into our yard, but now they won't do it anymore because we have too much stuff in our yard. But on the other hand, it's really easy. Pro tip. Non-colored mulch, wood mulch, around your garden, around your garden boxes, makes it really much easier to mow around them. <laughs> yeah. 
you don't have to weed eat up next to the boxes. You can take your mower and take it right up to the the mulch. Now, don't use the the treated mulch. Don't use the the. I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Mulch. I just no, decided so I, not to try. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't. I decided not to. So because you, I mean, that stuff that, that stuff is going to go into the ground as the mulch deteriorates, and I don't really want that around my my food. Yep. So besides, slightly cheaper too. Sorry, it fades, a... but it fades to gray. But it's not There's a attractive. Bug. Are we going to let that bug out? Or? Uh, nah, it's a harmless little thing. We'll just leave it. Okay, leave it be. We It'll make know. noise if we, we have a bug flying around, which is nice. <laughs> These bugs are out. Yeah, so we had bees on our porch a couple days ago. You know, it was a long, cold spring when we were as excited the bugs are out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they say that as cold as that winter got, and that winter got cold here. It got much colder than it usually got. We topped out at 20 below. And that's pretty cold. And since we have the the community weather station in our garden, we know that that's the actual temperature. We have a, an actual weather station, not just a one of those little cheap things you hang on the wall. We have an actual weather station in yeah, you can go and look online and see what the weather's like in our yard if you can guess which one of them, which one of the twenty five thousand of them is us. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, some places you'll find a little bit of ground that nobody cares about anymore, and you can just uh, oh stick some stuff in there and go I- visit it. There's no guarantee it'll stay there. It's kind of guerrilla gardening. But I, I have gotten a lot of my fruit over the past years before I started to put in my own trees. I got a lot of my fruit that way, just finding trees that no people no longer cared about in the back corners of yards and stuff and saying, hey, it doesn't seem like you care much about those apples. Uh, would you mind if I came by with a bag? And they're like, absolutely. Come sure. pick them up. I mean, come get them. I, you, you taking them keeps saves me from picking them up. There's, a, there's an old guy in our town, really nice old man. He's older than dirt i mean he he was retired when i moved to the town 35 years ago that's how old this guy is he's got to be pushing 100 and nice guy and he had you know some apple trees or has he he had to cut a couple of them down but he's left some up um that were planted by his wife his wife loved apples but she she passed 25 years ago and he didn't. He didn't care. He doesn't for care apples. about apples. And his daughter, who lives with him and takes kind of takes care of him, she doesn't care about apples one way or the other. So every year we go and clean them out of apples. Yeah, he's the sort of guy who plants a bunch of tomatoes, even though he doesn't like them. Yeah. So he can put them out on a stand on his front yard. He puts it, a little donation box out there, but he doesn't tell you to. Doesn't tell you to pay. And no, doesn't tell puts, you how much they cost. He just puts a little box out there and sign tomatoes, peppers, onions. Yeah, and or whatever he's got. And then you you go up there and you put. And we we do. We stop by all the time and, and put in a few. To, yeah, when I'm dehydrating, I need a whole bunch of stuff at once. Yeah. I'll go and collect his. Uh, I often pick up the seconds because they dry just fine. So, anyway, that's pretty much what we wanted to say today. There's so. some options for. Getting it done, even when you're a 
city person that might not think you've got options. So, again, we don't I, – I, we just keep coming back to this point over and over because it's so critical. It's something we have learned. You cannot expect to grow food if you've never grown food before and get it right the first time. You can't expect to do it. You won't – if you don't have the what you need on hand to successfully garden, the little garden kit will do you no good. Yeah. You don't know how to do it. If you don't have soil that you can easily transfer into a garden, you don't have the tools to do it, both mental and physical, then you're not going to have a garden. If you don't have fencing to keep the rabbits out, you're not going to have food even if you get the garden put in. It's not that I think that these gardens are going to be the difference for people between starving to death and not. It's that I think they are can very easily be the difference between a very dull, very monotonous, uh, unnutritious diet of straight-up carbs, grains, and not much else. It makes a, a giant difference to your well-being and to your... Uh, it feels like real food, for example, instead of... What can you get? Bread? Canned junk? And we're going to actually discuss this in a future podcast. We're going to call we're going to call this podcast antioxidants and you. Uh, <laughs> and you can expect to hear that. In fact, that podcast may even come out before this podcast does. So anyway, listen for it, or if, if it's out there already, please listen to it. All right, we're going to talk to you later. Bye bye. Goodbye.